This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. AJ Scholz is alongside from Madison, Wisconsin, and you can follow him at AJ Scholz24. AJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Paul. Uh, ready for uh, ready to talk some hockey here. Uh, we're a month into the season, and uh, you know things are starting to roll. We're getting. Uh, you know, some headlines to talk about. And uh, yeah, it's all it's all roses uh, down here. Good. Very good. Well, you mentioned we're a month into the season, AJ. And uh, I wanted to ask you, what's the biggest surprise that you see on the hockey landscape? For me, it's the Tampa Lightning looking rather ordinary. Their, uh, their record is, you know, right around the 500 mark and uh, not impressing in terms of the goals against average. The offense is not clicking like we've seen it in the past. So they've got some issues there. And boy, oh boy, it's, it might even translate to the coach. I, I don't know uh, that he thought that John Cooper thought he'd be in trouble this year. But one month in, uh, people are starting to talk. What about you? Uh, what do you see on the landscape? What's the biggest surprise? I mean, so I'll, I'll hit up two here just so we uh, spread out the love. I mean, the first is sticking with the Atlantic division here. And you, you got to talk about Buffalo. Now they have lost two in a row, um, but overall a strong start to the season. You've got Eichel leading the way with 17 points. Skinner's got seven goals as well. Um, and, you know, they're getting it from Rasmus Dahlin on the blue line as well. 11 points for him in 15 games. And so really um, just this team, like finally kind of coming together um, and getting some of these younger guys to contribute. Uh, Casey Middlestats uh, doing well uh, this season, but also uh, on the flip side to, you know, talk about a different division, not to be all Atlantic uh, division here at the start. It's also San Jose uh, just being abysmal. Uh, and there's no other way to describe that. I mean, their, their goaltending has been bad. Um, their, their two big blue liners have been pedestrian at best and, and really, um, you know, haven't offered much. I mean, yes, Brett Burns has 14 points in 15 games, but he's also a minus 11. We talk all the time, you and I, Paul, about, you know, where that stat, how 
worthy that stat is, but obviously yeah. when it's that big, but, uh, we'll get into that more. I'm sure as, as we talk about them, I don't want to, uh, jump the gun here, but, uh, before we do get into the rest <laughs> of the show, I'll just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineup, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer those for you. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes two, four, and you can follow Paul, the stats man at Statsman 22. Well, and AJ, we'll begin with Anaheim mighty ducks. And I still call them the mighty ducks there. You see, that was a slip of the tongue, but we'll <laughs> stick with it. They're, they're looking mighty this year. And that could be my surprise in the Western conference. They're sitting there with a nine, six and one record one, one and one last week. The captain is leading the way here. Ryan gets left four goals, two assists in his last six games. Looks great. Looks like he's about 30 years old, not not in the late 30s. But uh, he's he's looking really sharp right now, and he's dragging along. Jakob Silverberg, four points in his last five games played, nine shots on goal in the last two games. That's what you want for a, a guy who's primarily a shooter. Uh, he's shooting a lot right now, and it's, it's going well for them. Uh, on the flip side, Andre Case, has been out with the last five games with a jaw, uh, jaw injury. Could return later this week, and that would further boost this offense. On the flip side, Rickard Raquel, only two assists in his last eight games played. This guy's too good a talent to flounder like that, and I expect a turnaround real soon. Eric Goodbranson, you mentioned that he was acquired at a trade last week, and he's pairing up with Hampus Lindholm on a newly reconfigured uh, top defense pairing. He's playing on the right side there. I like that, that uh, partnership. Uh, youngster Nick Ritchie moves up to left wing on the top line. That's a good move for him, but the guy who pays the price is Max Comtois dropping down to the third line there. So there's some movement despite the fact this team is playing pretty well right now. Yeah, and have to give a little nod to Ryan Getzlaff played uh, in game number 1,000. Uh, and so that's that's a you know, pretty big career mark for him uh, to get that 1,000th game under his belt. Uh, not a lot of guys get there. So uh, credit to him for, for uh, achieving that. And, yeah, you mentioned the Gutbranson-Lindholm pairing. You know, you look at Lindholm's stats to start the year, no goals, nine assists. And I think that's going to turn around here. I think he's going to start uh, – getting opportunities to put him in the back of the net as you know good branson kind of shores up uh that that blue line uh defensively and that is the one area that i have a little bit of long-term concern about this team uh is defensive scoring now obviously if they can get lindholm going that that concern goes away um but it really drops off you know lindholm and then cam fowler uh, and then, you know, you got to look to Michael Delzato as kind of your third, um, you know, guy in terms of defensive scoring on the season. And, and that's kind of a, a big drop off there. So long term, that that's a concern for me. Um, but perhaps this new pairing can kind of solve some of that for them. And the Arizona Coyotes, another team that's performing, uh, punching above their weight, I'll say so far, they had another win last night to boost their record to five games over the 500 mark. Connor Garland, four goals, two assists in his last seven games, uh, locking down a roll on the top six, playing on the right side uh, on the second line. Phil Kessel started slowly, uh, you'll admit, AJ, five points in his last games before last last five games before last night Darcy Kemper though has been the story here once again this guy is a big secret in the NHL and uh, doing great things with a goals against average of 1.67 in nine games played before last night he allowed two in an overtime victory there so the average is still under two after 10 starts in the NHL so far this season Barrett Hayton uh, has picked up four points in four games played as left winger on the top left line on the left wing. So a sneaky good fantasy play right now as he as he's clicking along in that uh, high rent di- 
district of the lineup. Alex Goligoski was a couple of years ago a linchpin on a Dallas Stars defense. He moved over to Arizona and has played more of a defensive posture the last year or so, but uh, the offense is coming together for him too. He's picked up eight points in his last eight game played on the blue line here. Well, talk, sticking with the blue line, you know, we've talked uh, in previous seasons about Oliver Ekman Larson and kind of some disappointment around around him not producing to the level that he, you know, was kind of anticipated. And while the numbers aren't at maybe as high as you would like for, for a player um, that's supposed to be, you know, his caliber, I certainly, as a fantasy owner or a fan, would be happy with the seven points through 14 games to start the year. Uh, and so I, I think we're finally seeing after a couple of years of struggle, um, you know, him maybe starting to, to get over that hump. Now I say that knowing he hit the 40 point mark in each of the last two seasons, but this is a guy after his 55 point season that I think a lot of people, myself included, expected him to be consistently start pushing for 60 or above. And so, um, it is strange to think about 40 being a low mark for a player, but I, I do think, uh, the, that's kind of where the ex expectations were uh, for Ackman Larson. And then the one other thing I'll mention is because Darcy Kemper has been so good, you have to wonder if this team uh, would field offers for anti Ranta. You know, he really uh, injuries have kind of uh, waylaid his, his career since moving down there. Um, but it's, it's a luxury that they have right now uh, in terms of uh, a backup. Now, granted you want a quality capable backup, but if they feel like there's pieces out there that they can get, you know, this is a team that's right now looks like a postseason team. They're sitting in third in the Pacific. So are you willing to part with Ranta in order to add some more pieces um, to the rest of your lineup? I think it's something that really uh, should be discussed uh, if the, the front office brass aren't at this point. AJ, the Boston Bruins are unstoppable. Let's just say that up front. They are now 11, 1 and 2. Overall, they're on a six-game win streak. Zdeno Chara has turned back the clock about 10 or 12 years, playing great hockey on the blue line, and the rest of the team is just following behind him in the big line here. David Backus and Brett Ritchie, two of their uh, more physical guys, have been in and out of the lineup of late. Peter Solarik and Anders Bjork are, are now in in the bottom six roles there, but it's the top two lines that are flying, and I can't even say it's just the top line. David Krejci back in the lineup here and producing as if he wasn't missing any time at all. And then to further bolster their unit, the fact that Krejci's in the lineup means that Charlie Coyle can move down to the center role on the third line. They've got depth now, and they've got uh, secondary scoring happening beyond that first line. There's no stopping this team right now. Well, and it's, I mean, I don't, we don't want to belabor the point. I feel like we are talking about him every single week, but the numbers that David Pasternak is putting up right now are just insane. I mean, he's on a 12 game uh, point streak right now, during which he's hit five assists in a game, four goals in a game, uh, just multi-point games all over the stretch, 29 total in those 12 games. Uh, 12 of those points have come on the man advantage as well. So really scoring in all facets of the game and really unstoppable. Uh, if, if Boston is playing at this point, you have to figure out a way to get that top line into your DFS lineup. If you don't want to pay up for that, at least throw Pasternak in there because 
it really without these guys, you're not going to be winning a lot of these GPPs because they're just putting up so many numbers right now. Yeah, and right behind them, you can't uh, discount Brad Marchand. And, you know, we've maligned this guy for some of the antics that he's been all about, but he's just playing it straight up right now. And he's right behind Pasternak with 28 points to Pasternak's 29. So to your point, the top two guys in the NHL, both in the Boston Colors, and you're right. If you got them in, D- you got to get them in the D- your DFS lineups the way they're cooking right now. The Buffalo Sabers. You mentioned this team is uh, up up in the high rent district of the NHL in the early going, and they're doing it with some issues. Though uh, they flipped things around offensively. Olafson has moved down to right wing on the second line after starting out on Eichel's flanks. They're going to see how he performs without the uh, assistance of the captain there and that's a, a good early test for the youngster uh, after missing three games Jimmy Vesey's back and he's getting that left wing look on the top line too so so they want to get him going because he's a, a guy that they brought in to, uh, to add to this offense and it just hasn't been happening like they had hoped you mentioned Casey Middlestat you know what I'll say he's been floundering a little bit of late he started off well but no points in his last five starts and he's down to the third line center role they want this guy to be the number two center they make no bones about that and uh, having him on the second line means the third line means that Marcus Johansson is still holding his own on that second unit and that's the good news Colin Miller is a guy that I'm a little bit disappointed in too AJ I gotta say this is a guy that I thought was highly sought after in the offseason when the the Las Vegas club made it known that they were going to try and move him he's picked up only four assists though in 15 games played so far this season I was expecting much more from him well, for me, it's all about the net mining here in Boston or in Buffalo, rather. Um, and that's one thing that, you know, even with this recent, um, you know, kind of losing uh, stretch that they're on right now, you look at Carter Hutton's last two games, only gave up three goals uh, combined in those two games, faced 65 shots. So a point nine, five, four save percentage in, in his last two um, meetings, uh, those being Arizona and the Islanders. Now, uh, they were getting really good net mining from Linus Olmark behind him. Uh, that unfortunately went a little sideways against Washington, but he's certainly not the first goaltender to get lit up to the tune of six goals by the Washington Capitals, and he won't be the last, that's for <laughs> sure. So it's hard to really blame him too much for that one. Um, I would expect so far it's been a pretty even share of the workload with uh, you know Hutton getting just a little bit more. I wouldn't be surprised to see that start to, to taper off a little to see Hutton getting a few more starts um, but I certainly would be happy uh, as a Buffalo fan if, if they keep rolling the way they do it's it's been working so far couple hiccups here to start November but I, I think they'll get back on track and be just fine uh, AJ we look at the Calgary Flames and everybody knows the big line is what carries the load here but interesting to see what's happening behind them uh, Andrew Manjupani has moved up to a right wing role in the second line on the heels of a nice scoring streak he's played up to 14 minutes a game in the last two outings and picked up two points along the way uh, Derek Ryan is another guy who is a pretty good s- support scorer he's got eight points so far this year in a third line role and you can expect that he'll be moving up and down between second and third line for the foreseeable future here behind the big unit. On defense, I'm happy to report, for, because I'm a fan of the way T.J. Brody plays the game, a really gifted skater, five points in his last eight games. He's again partnered with Mark Giordano, and as long as he's there, he's a sneaky good value in DFS play. You can even put that tandem in place. You know you're going to pay up for Giordano, but Brody is, is kind of in his shadow and uh, does get his share of points the way he's playing right now. 
Yeah. And I mean, I feel like we talk about, you know, antics uh, with Brad Marchand. You know, I think we need to talk about Milan Lucic. This is a guy that's already been on the fringe of the lineup. And, you know, yeah, Cole Sherwood was poking at the goalie a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, Lucic just sucker punched him. There's no other way to to describe that. I honestly thought two games was uh, a little uh, generous on, on the league's part. Uh, I think it should have been more severe for a guy that has a history of some of these these similar Brad Marchand-esque antics. And for a guy that's struggling to get in the lineup in today's NHL, I don't think that's the way that you're going to break, you know, break into that. Uh, the Calgary Flames, yes, they weren't getting much out of James Neal, but this trade may go down as one of the worst in franchise history at this point. Yeah, well said about Lucic. The guy is has become a bit of a sideshow uh, since he can't do anything offensively. Every highlight that I see, he's doing something very physical and kind of over the top like the incident you sub- described. So uh, he's got to get his act together. That's a lot of money they're paying for, for this show right now, and it's just not working. The Carolina Hurricanes, though, they are working, AJ. They're sitting there with a 9-4-1 and record. They were 2-1 and last week. The top two lines have been switched around a little bit despite the offensive output. Stahl is now at center on the top line. Ajo centering the second line. Andrei Zvechnikov, seven points his last four games played. Warren Fogel even moves up to a second-line scoring situation. He's got three points in his last five games. Jakob Slavin on the blue line there. they got a very deep defense, and so we talk about different defenders every once in a while. This guy's now heating up with five points in his last five games played, so there's a lot of good news to report in Carolina, AJ. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there with, uh, you know, the the kind of guys that are picking it up. Warren Fogle is one that I, I was high on last year, uh, you know, kind of tapered off a little bit this season just because uh, he didn't really hit the my expectation levels. He was certainly fine last year, but I, I was expecting kind of a big year out of him. Um, but yeah, this team, the surprise to me overall, when you look at the team, uh, how they're scoring right now is that Dougie Hamilton's leading the way. And that's not to say that I don't expect Dougie Hamilton to be a strong contributor. Um, but I would expect more, uh, out of that, that top group, you know, Sebastian Ajo, 10 points in 14 games, certainly fine. T, uh, Tivo Teravain in 12. Um, but to your point, they're starting to shuffle things around, uh, and maybe get these guys going a little bit. Um, but they do have plenty of depth scoring. That's the one thing that they're not missing right now. Uh, all the guys that you pointed out are kind of helping to carry the load while these top two lines figure it out. In Chicago, they've got some figuring out to do, AJ. S- sitting there with a 4-6-3 and three record, not good so far this season. Brandon Saad and Alec Nylander are now flanking Jonathan Taves on the top line there. So they're trying to get those two guys going guys going but the captain himself is struggling over there so far on the blue line an interesting note aj adam boquist a recent top draft pick here out of sweden he's played his first two nhl games now and uh, what better insulation than to play with duncan keith and look at the, the guy's even scored a goal he got a nice slapper in there and uh, and has reached the, the, the score sheet uh, so early in his career a lot of big things are expected from this guy and as long as he's, be, he's being nurtured by duncan keith i think he's going to play a fair bit and uh, he's going to be put in some good situations, so it might be a guy to keep an eye on. Andrew Shaw, on the other hand, this guy, they're paying some money for him, and five games in a row without a point, now down to right wing on the fourth line. That can't last in order for this guy's profile to 
to flounder, uh, it's going to continue down there, I think. Uh, Eric Gustafsson, another guy that's floundering, AJ, only four assists in 12 games. This guy was a 60-point defenseman last year. He's now playing third-pairing minutes here on the left side, and for all the world, he looks a little bit lost to me, I'll have to say that. Well, one guy who's also very lost uh, right now and uh, probably just flew under your your radar in terms of disappointing guys is Zach Smith. And that's because he hasn't even been playing. He's only gotten in two of the team's uh, last eight games. And this is a guy that, you know, had a couple of 30 point seasons in Ottawa, put up 25 goals uh, in 2015-16. So to move, make the move to Chicago, um, I, I would have expected him to at least be in the lineup every night. And some of that goes to guys who are stepping up. Kirby Doc has been phenomenal uh, as, as a youngster and really kind of forced the organization's hand. Kublik, uh, Kublik, Kubalik uh, has also, uh, he's got three points in his last four games. So there's some youngsters that have made it kind of difficult. But to have Zach Smith uh, just kind of riding the the you know, the pine in the press box right now is a little bit surprising to me, uh, for where he's been. But, uh, you know, for now, uh, I think that's where he's going to stay because there's plenty of guys that are, that are making it work. Now is Andrew Shaw in, uh, you know, potential to miss out on a game in order to get Smith in the lineup. That's certainly not outside of the uh, realm of possibility at this point. And in Colorado, this team has hit the skids, AJ, but you got to cut them a bit of a mulligan here. They're on a four-game losing streak. They're missing two of their top forwards and wingers, Ranton and Landeskog, out with injury. That means a bit of a shake-up to the offense. Nazem Kadri's moved over to the left wing instead of playing center. He's moving up to the left wing on the top line. And Jonas Don, Junas Donskoy moves to the left wing on the second unit here to kind of shore things up in the short term. Andre Burakovsky is floundering a little bit. JT Comfer, one point in his last seven games, so there's some offensive pieces not delivering the goods. Tyson Yost, uh, also in the shuffle, moved over to the second-line center score situation, and he's been scoreless in his last six games played, so they're missing some goal scoring up front, and they're just trying to put their fingers in the dike here to tread some water for a little while, but uh, it's going to be tough sledding without those two big gunners in the lineup. I mean, yeah, that's that's got to be one of the the you know biggest. Uh, we've talked about you know the Penguins dealt with injuries this year. There've been a couple other teams, but to lose both those guys yeah. uh, is is really a very tall uh, tall ask here for them right now. And to be honest with you, I I would express if I'm a Colorado fan a little bit of disappointment in Nathan McKinnon right now because you expect uh, in those situations that that he would really be able to to pick it up now. Granted, uh, three goals in three games prior to their most recent outing um, and definitely shooting the puck plenty. So I guess I guess what I'm saying is you expect him to put up big, big numbers uh, with those two guys out and really try and carry the team. Um, and so far, he hasn't been able to do that. The supporting cast, as you mentioned, is is pretty down right now. So uh, maybe there's just nothing that one guy can do, and that's certainly possible. Um, but I would expect a player of his caliber to find ways to get his team to win, uh, whether that's scoring himself, setting up other guys. Um, and so far, that unfortunately hasn't happened. Columbus Blue Jackets, they've played a little bit better than I think I expected, AJ. Five, six, and three is their overall record, but they are on a four-game losing streak uh, currently. Josh Anderson was a guy I thought that was going to help this offense when he got back in the lineup, but only two points in six games played since his return from injury on that second line at right wing. 
Oliver Bjorkstrand is still uh, similarly struggling. Four points to his ledger as the right wing on the third line. So there's not much of a threat to unseat Anderson in that second spot. Unfortunately for Columbus, they don't have many options offensively. Uh, Jonas Corpusalo has played 11 games so far in the Nets, despite a 324 goals against average and an 890 save percentage. Those are kind of numbers that I expected from him. But the offense has been chipping in more than expected, and that's helped. And uh, But apart from... Uh, uh, a couple of def- uh, offensive pieces here. Pierre-Luc Dubois foremost among them, 10 points. Things have gone a little bit cold of late, and so really the DFS value of, of any consequence remains with a top defense pairing of, of Jones with 7 points and Wierenski at 6. These guys are on pace to do what they normally do, and that's 40 to 50 points from the back end, and uh, uh, as long as they're flying a little bit below the radar, you might get them on the cheap here in DFS play. Yeah, that's a great call, Paul, on, on those guys. And, and the salaries there uh, aren't as high as what you might pay uh, for, for some other guys. And, you know, the rest of the team, uh, as you mentioned, uh, if you're looking for, for DFS options, I actually don't uh, don't hate Oliver Borkstrand as long as he's playing on the top line with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think he's a solid option for you. Uh, in the Nets, I'm probably staying away from that right now, uh, especially if you happen to use uh, Corpus Salo on October 30th. Uh, he posted a minus 6.4 uh, FanDuel points there. So oh, wow. uh, <laughs> not not a great outing for him. Mirza, uh, Mirza Lincolns hasn't been significantly better either. Uh, and that's kind of what we expected. We expected, as you mentioned, hiccups along the road. Um, it looked like Corpus Allo was going to kind of uh, show us, you know, show us a little something here. But I will say his, you know, you look at the goals allowed, uh, two or more in every single game this season. Doesn't have any one goal allowed games or any zeros, no shutouts for him at this point. So uh, you would expect a little bit better there from him if he's going to be your true number one. Um, but I don't think anybody's shocked that the numbers are what they are. In Dallas, there's been an offensive shakeup here, bringing together a familiar line at the top end. Ben reunited with Radulov and Sagan. It's an attempt to get Jamie Ben off the schneid, but boy, that's been a long time coming, AJ. Uh, below him, them, uh, Denis Gurianov has been a nice surprise. Six points in his last seven games played. He's now locked down a role on the second scoring unit there. Corey Perry on the flip side, scoreless in his last six games played. And his shots on goal rate, just a shade over one per game. That's well below his career standard, and it's certainly not good enough for him to uh, to land a scoring line role here. And so uh, a bit of a disappointment there, but who expected the injury-prone Perry to have much left in the tank at this stage? And in the back end, John Klingberg, still only three points to his ledger, and now a minus 11. That's got to be the, one of the biggest disappointments about among any blue liner, uh, any and all blue liners across the NHL landscape. Well, and another disappointment you you have to you know talk about Joe Pavelski, um, you know, with with the expectations of signing him and what they were uh, expecting out of him. It just didn't come together at the start of the season. Now it's starting to maybe turn around. Um, and so hopefully uh, they've kind of figured this out. You know, he's got five points in the last three games. It's it's getting there. And that's what you want to see. Uh, the hope, you know, for Dallas fans that it's it's not too little too late in a very competitive central division. Now, we're only talking six game, 16 games into the season for them. They played a very heavy schedule to start the year, uh, heavier than most of the rest of the teams in the league. So uh, that should hopefully turn around for them, especially as Colorado and Winnipeg deal with plenty of their own issues. It kind of opens the door for them here. Um, so to get Pavelski going, 
hopefully they're on the right track. I'm a little surprised that they never uh, thought about or haven't really for an extended period of time tried him in that radula spot with Sagan and Ben. Um, but so far, you know, if the, if the combos they're using right now are going to work, then by all means, roll with it, right? Well, and the Detroit Red Wings <coughs> are getting rolled over, AJ. They're, they got skunked again last night, giving up a five spot in the second period alone. Their record now 4-11-1. Uh, Mike Green has only two points on this defense in 11 games played, and now he's dealing with an illness to boot, so not getting the value on him despite re-si- after re-signing him to a contract this offseason. Andreas Athanasiu, only five assists in 15, 13 games played before last night, still getting his minutes, but could be in jeopardy soon with that poor production. There is one bright spot here, and it's Flip, Philip Ronick. He's looking like a strong bet to get the 35 40 points as the power play quarterback he's getting a regular shift playing upwards of 23 minutes a game and this is one guy that we got right here in terms of looking around the detroit landscape and seeing who might be ready for a breakout it's this young defender uh Brennan Perlini is getting left wing minutes on the second line since arriving here uh, after a trade that puts him ahead of Adam Ernie who's more of a defensive specialist well he better be a defensive specialist he's got no points in 10 games played himself so they need Perlini to score to uh, to lock down that second line and uh, boost that secondary scoring situation yeah I'll be honest I was watching um, some highlights of the the games last night caught a little bit of the Detroit highlights uh, and they showed uh, Athanasiu's goal and they said, <clears throat> excuse me, first goal of the season. And I, I admittedly was like, that can't be right. <laughs> we're, we're this far in, he hasn't scored. Well, sure enough, it, it, that is the case. Um, you know, was riding uh, a, a 13 game uh, goal drought, got, you know, got it in uh, last night. So maybe that's the start of something. I will just throw out there. If you look at the Red Wings uh, game performance over the, the first month of the season, you'll be able to find every time that I stacked against them. It happens to be the games that they've won uh, this year, <laughs> unfortunately for me. So, you know, Red Wings Oilers, uh, they won three one. That was a game that I used them and you can go through the whole lineup. So Uh, A word of caution, if you're listening to the show and the Red Wings are playing and you hear me stacking against them, uh, you may want to fade that (laughs) option because it seems like they win every time I try and stack against them. Oh, my. That's tough luck, pal. The Edmonton Oilers, 10-4-1 is their overall overall record. Dujar Kyra getting more minutes as left wing on the second line ahead of James Neal, oddly enough, despite Neal's scoring exploits so far this year. Gaetan Haas, another youngster in the lineup, becoming more active as a center on the third line with four shots on goal in his last three games I'm kind of anxious to see if that translates into any offensive output from him they certainly would like some secondary scoring below the big line up front Ethan Bear has shown flashes of offense from his defensive position while Joel Pearson has no points in seven games played despite getting top four minutes on the back end so be careful which youngster you plug into your lineup as a as a DFS fillered back there Ethan Bear is the guy if you're looking here uh, and Leon Dreisaitl, emerging from Connor McDavid's shadow, if if you can say that about one of the league's top scorers, he's actually got more points than the captain right now. And that might be interesting to watch this season. Can Dreisaitl actually outscore McDavid on the whole season? Wow, that's uh, that would be an interesting uh, you know prop bet to see what uh, what sort of odds uh, you could get on that one. But you know, this is a guy that's certainly capable of putting up. Uh, big numbers you know he's he hit the 100 point mark last year 
uh, and was right there in the mix has two seventy campaigns in the years before uh, two years before that. So uh, it, I, I would say you shouldn't be shocked if it happened, honestly. So that's why I'd be most curious on what sort of Vegas odds you can get on that. Obviously, you know, Connor McDavid uh, has hit a hundred and three straight seasons, probably almost certainly will again this year. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked by it. Uh, you know, might be a little, uh, intrigued, but shocked would, would probably be a stretch. Uh, if you are looking for some DFS options or even for, a, a, maybe a pickup in your season long leagues, Alex chase on, uh, is going to get the look on that top line. Zach Cassian's time has expired up there after he's failed to put in a goal, uh, in his last 13 games has just five helpers over that stretch. That's simply not good enough when you're playing with those two powerhouse guys that we talked about. So it'll be Alex Chase on, it looks like, uh, for their next game that gets a look in that spot. Cassian, though, still going to get an okay assignment playing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and James Neal on the second line. So uh, he's still maybe a a viable look. If you think uh, it's time for him to break out of that slump, you could plug him in uh, for relatively cheap in, in those DFS contests. In Florida, they're sitting up uh, among the leaders in their division. It looks like a playoff-bound team at this point. 7-3-4 and four to the mark, 2-1 and one last week. I talked last week about Mackenzie Weger possibly uh, positioning himself as a breakout candidate on the back end. I'm going to double down on that. He's got nine points so far this year and a spike in playing time along with two-plus shots on goal per game. As are Ekblad and Yandel, they have a wealth of uh, riches on the back end here all of a sudden. And you can say that same thing about the offense, where we talked about this being a pop gun offense before, uh, beyond the first line. But it's it's got a boost uh, coming in the offing, too, with Vincent Trocek returning into this lineup as the second line center. That means Brian Boylan and Dennis Malgin will move down into the third and fourth roles, which are more appropriate for them, but they're getting a ton of secondary scoring. And it's a good thing because Sergei Bobrovsky, uh, while coming off a 4 nothing shutout win in his last start, still sports an ugly career-high 336 goals against average. They have to be wor- worrying about that with a bit of a spocky and eye toward their goalie so far. Another concern for this team, uh, you have to look at Mike Hoffman right now. Started very strong on the year. Five goals in the first uh, four games. Looked like he was uh, going to just pick up where he left off last season. Well, he's got just one in the 10 game since, uh, it, you know, and has only two assists, uh, on the, uh, you know, on the record as well there. So, uh, you know, his, uh, numbers have really not looked good of late. You have to wonder if that's partially due, uh, to the shuffle that they've had to do with Vinny Trocek out of the lineup. Uh, they hopefully will get him back sooner rather than later. It sounds like, potentially Thursday. Um, but I think that's still uh, questionable at best at this point. And so, uh, Hoffman, hopefully if they get Trocek back, which will push Alexander Barkov back down into the second line role. And maybe that's, uh, what Hoffman needs, uh, to kind of get going here. Well, the Los Angeles Kings, they have some holes to plug in their lineup. We expected that, and their record is certainly indicative. 5-9-0, they're headed into Toronto for a matchup against a struggling team in Toronto, I'll say. We'll get to them later. With the Kings struggling offensively, though, they recalled Carl Grundstrom uh, to play left wing on the top line where he earned an assist over the first two games he's played. He's up to 16 minutes a game. He was in the Leafs farm system. I know a little bit about this guy. He's got a good scoring touch. And it could mesh well with Kopitar if he's going to get an extended look there. Could be a really good value play going forward. It's troubling to note that the two, three, and four centers, though, beyond Kopitar, I'm talking about Lizotte, Kemp, and Amadio. This group has 
totaled 13 points in 14 games played. That's indicative of a scoring issue or a lack of scoring issue that uh, that we expected, and it is showing up. And it doesn't help them that Jonathan Quick has been the early subject of trade speculation. Uh, but it's not surprising uh, to see beyond that that Jack Campbell has appeared in six games played. They've got to see what they've got in, in this backup here because Quick, I think, is going to be trade bait before too long. And Campbell is their goalie of the future. And uh, that future might be right now. I, I admittedly would be a little surprised if, if they made that move, in part because you know, I, I think teams get hung up a, a lot of times on, um, you know, what players have done on their in their career. And you're talking about Quick, who's a Stanley Cup champion. Um, and so are is the return in your mind going to be too high to warrant a team actually giving that up for what he's done lately? You know, you look last season, just 16 wins, uh, 3.38 goals against average, which was a, a career worst. Um, the numbers are even worse to start this season. So uh, if I'm another team, I'm looking to buy low on quick here because of you know what's going on. But are the Kings too hung up? Potentially, I, you know, I obviously don't know this, but will they get too hung up on what he's done in the past 40 win seasons, uh, 10 shutouts in a year back in 2011, 12 and want a higher price tag. And so that's why I don't think the move will ultimately get made, uh, for a number, you know, a number one netminder like that to get traded. I just think there's probably too much separation on what LA thinks they should get for him and what another club would be willing to give up. But Hey, uh, it would be a blockbuster of a trade to see happen, uh, and, uh, would really make for an exciting day. So I'm, I'm all for it. I do think you're on the right track with them looking for Jack Campbell. Uh, and it could be a situation where maybe, uh, prospects and picks is enough. Uh, if this season really starts to go South for them to kind of rebuild that way, um, by by getting a return in, in that sense for Jonathan Quick. Well, you got to think in the next couple of years, is this, this team going to go anywhere? He's only going to get older. So I think uh, selling at this point is, is probably something they have to strongly consider in terms of that rebuild that needs to happen. And similar to them in terms of profile, the Minnesota Wild, 4-9-1 and one is their record. And we expect this team to continue to flounder. Zach Parise off to a very slow start. With only one assist in his last six game played, he has four points and a minus 12 on the season, and they're paying big bucks for him. It's just not happening. Matt Zuccarello, on the other hand, he was in an early season funk, but maybe snapping out of it with two goals and one assist in his last three games played. They need this guy to pick it up to, to hopefully spike a little bit of an offensive effort throughout this lineup, which has been floundering uh, since the beginning of the season. And nowhere is it more evident than in goal, where a consistent Devin Dubnik has carried this club in the last few seasons, but he's been anything but that so far. In fact, I'll go out on a limb and say that I think he's been outplayed by his backup, Alex Stalock. <laughs> I, I mean, it's hard to disagree with, with that, you know, looking at, at the numbers here and, and watching some of those games. Um, but I, I don't think it's I think it would be too early uh, to say that this is a, a switch here. Now, maybe maybe it's enough that that Stalock um, earns enough wins that Dubnik doesn't get over the 60 game mark for the first time uh, since 2014, 15. That's the last time he didn't uh, play in 60 or more games. And for the record, he played in 58 that year. So pretty, pretty darn close. So. Maybe it's enough there, but I don't think we're going to see uh, Stalock take over as as the number one here. The other concern for me with this team uh, is, you know, you talked a little bit about the scoring. Well, you look at their top 10 
uh, scorers. Four of them are defensemen, and Brad Hunt is the one that's leading the way. I'm pretty sure that's not how they drew up the start to the season. Uh, I think they expected you have Dumba back there in the mix, Spurgeon or Sutter, uh, you know, as well. But, you know, it's Brad Hunt that leads the way with eight points and their third best scorer on the team. In Montreal, uh, we talked a little bit about Yoel Armia. I, I think this guy's found his career best form here as a, a second-line right wing and bringing a rare physical presence. He's going to be a very popular guy in Montreal uh, building there with the home standing fans as long as he continues to play like this. Jonathan Drouin also faces the opportunity to, to be the media darling. Uh, French-Canadian background, thriving right now, four points in his last four games played. They're playing on either flank of, of Max Dome, and he's the guy that's really been been carrying the flag here in Montreal since he got here, and uh, he has to be thrilled that, that he's playing in a hockey hotbed. I know that that motivates him, and you're seeing a really good effort out of him day in, day out. On in, on the flip side, though, Jesperi Kotkaniemi uh, caught my ire last week, and, and maybe there's a reason why he had been floundering only three points in 12 games played we see now that he's got a groin injury and he's going to be out for possibly an extended period of time on the IR and in his place Ryan Poling got called up from the minors Leaf fans will recall he played one game last year at the end of the season got a hat trick in a meaningless tilt against uh, Toronto to end the season but I don't expect him to get a hat trick every night but this guy does have an offensive upside and I could see him getting scoring line minutes to uh, see what they've got here. Another player who's showing uh, their offensive upside right now is Thomas Tatar. Last four games has four points over that stretch. Uh, The one, you know, maybe knock on his game right now, just four, uh, just, you know, four points on the power play, despite uh, averaging pretty decent minutes in that role. None of those power play points have come in the last five games. Um, But overall, the production is there. So, so be it, right? That's all you're looking for. Yes, the bonuses power play points are nice for fantasy owners out there but you'd rather have that than an extended drought one guy that is in one of those extended drought is one that i've talked about frustrating me for years and that's arturi lekanen i started the year off and said hey this might be the year he's got (laughs) five point or four points in the first five games finally going to turn it around well he scored in their most recent game and that was his first point in nine uh, contest. So he's back to his usual, uh, you know, hot and slow. So maybe that's an option for you. He does tend to kind of peak and Valley at times. So with the goal, the other night might be a few games here where you can consider using him, uh, in your lineups to maybe, uh, hit while the iron's hot. AJ, in Nashville, they're uh, chirping about Nick Bonino. He's got four go- five goals in his last four games played overall, now up to 12 points in 15 games played. You know a little bit about him from his time in Pittsburgh. Uh, normally a third-line center, but with this kind of production, you've got to think he's gonna be, they're going to look around to see if they can plug him in, maybe on the wing on one of the top two lines, because they're loaded up the middle of the ice. And that's something we haven't been able to say about Nashville for a long, long time. Michael Grandlund is going the other way, though, with a nine-game pointless streak at right wing on the second line. Maybe that's the flip that we're going to see. Uh, but another winger who's enjoying life right now is Kali Yarncroc. He's got six points in his last six games before last night, playing left wing on the top line. A sneaky good DFS value play, uh, as I like to say, and I like to highlight for our listeners from time to time. 
On the back end, though, there's two studs that you can look at on a nightly basis when when you talk about this team, and that's Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis. Both of these guys inked long-term extensions recently. They both have 14 points to lead the club in scoring right now. Today, these deals look very good, AJ, but uh, I think three four years from now, you might be looking at the club and saying, boy, they spent a lot of money on two defensemen that are in their 30s, and uh, it might be going the other way, but let's, uh, let's be happy for them right now. It's going well in 2019. Well, I had to chuckle. You know, we're uh, talking last week about Roman Yossi and about how uh, he was just putting up big numbers and going to earn more and more zeros, I believe, was the line I used. And then we got done with the podcast. I walked out, uh, you know, into the Rotowire HQ and lo and behold, eight year, $72 million extension on the table. So uh, those those comments pretty well timed. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we uh, weren't able to catch that while we were recording. Um, but either way, I I share your concerns. I can understand them so far, you know, looking down the road, but to lock up him and not worry about it for next, you know, next season and heading into the off season. Uh, I think it's a, a decent deal for them. Uh, the, the biggest hang up I think they're going to run into if they, is if they do try and move them, that no movement clause, uh, could create some problems down the stretch. But at this point, uh, I th- I think you're going to be fine with that deal. Maybe the last year or two, uh, you might have some concerns, but otherwise I think overall, this is going to be a good deal for them. Uh, and Hey, as I said, if he continued to play at the rate he was this season, you were going to see that cap hit climb over 10 million. And maybe that's why, uh, David Pulley was ready to pull the trigger before it got too out of hand. In New Jersey, this team is struggling. A lot of ex- high expectations uh, preceded the start of the season here, but 3-5-4 and four is the record. Not good at all. Sammy Vatnan has been decent, though, f- reaching the four-goal mark from his defensive position. That's the total that he's scored for each of the last two seasons. And uh, he's, he's got some talent to play with here on the special teams, so I expect him to have a bit of a breakout and return to more of a form that we saw when he was in Anaheim uh, in terms of being one of the better-scoring defensemen around. Nikita Gusev... Uh, has the distinction of being the most dropped in weekly and season-long formats last week, AJ. After all the early season hype, he's been scratched in his last three games. Uh, life in the NHL, not as good as it was in the KHL for the fleet uh, winger. Corey Schneider, Mackenzie Blackwood, we had identified this as a situation that could change, and it has with Blackwood, Blackwood getting the lion's share of the load already and posting better numbers. I called this at the beginning of the season. So if you listen to me and pick Mackenzie Blackwood, he's uh, certainly going to return some value for you. Uh, you probably got him on the cheap as well. Uh, one guy that I did talk about in, uh, in glowing terms that hasn't worked out here is Damon Severson. He counted only his second goal of the season last week, but is being passed over by uh, Subban and Vatnan for high leverage minutes, and that's certainly hurting his fantasy value. Well, the concern, obviously, I talked in in previous weeks about Taylor Hall's goal totals, and that hasn't changed yet. He he added one more there, but at the end of the day, he's he's producing uh, and help trying to help this team get into the win column here. He's got seven points uh, in the last five games. Six of those are assists. Five of those assists coming on the power play. So uh, starting to you know, ramp up here. You want those goals to come and I'm sure they will at this point, but as long as he continues this kind of, you know, point streak, uh, you'll be happy enough as a devil's fan. And then the other guy that they need to get going here is PK Subban, uh, got the goal, uh, 
in their most recent game. Uh, so that's two in the last six games, not quite what you would hope for out of him, um, but 20 shots over that stretch. So he's putting plenty of pucks on net uh, and, and trying to get opportunities here. And again, it's starting to come together. I think it will. Unfortunately, uh, this team may end up being uh, my worst preseason prediction as I had them as a playoff team based on the people that they added and what I thought they could do. There's still plenty of time for that to turn around. Um, but right now in a metropolitan division that's full of tough, uh, tough outs uh, every single night. And the whole league is, to be perfectly honest, with a few exceptions. Uh, New Jersey may have put themselves too far behind the eight ball. And the Islanders are ahead of that eight ball, AJ. They're on a nine-game winning streak, the hottest team in the NHL, uh, despite all that, despite a very crowded injury list, in fact. Thomas Grice has allowed only eight goals in his last four starts, but Semyon Varlamov's gotten one better eight goals in his last five starts, so 16 goals against in this nine-game win streak. They only have to score two or three to, to get the W, as it seems, and that's a good thing. But uh, the club is scoring almost three points a game on a regular basis, despite the fact that the power play is sputtering with only five goals in 13 games played on the schedule. That's one of the worst marks in the NHL, but it's well hidden behind this team that's flying with a 10-3-0 record. Nick Letty is out with a bit of an undisclosed injury, and that's a shame because he'd been playing well. However, that's afforded us to get a look at Noah Dobson, who is getting called up to the decor, and he has appeared on the power play. Uh, worth a look during... Uh, Due to his offensive skills, this 19-year-old was a high-scoring D in the, in the QMJHL in the past. So we're getting a look at him in a good situation. It's nice when a, they call it, a player gets called up when a team is doing well. That means there's a lot less pressure on the kid to do well. And uh, Noah Dobson could be a guy that you should stash uh, for future value anyway in Dynasty Leagues perhaps. I love that call on Dobson. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, if you're in one of those, uh, you know, dynasty formats, see if he's available, stash him away, uh, you know, use him when he's up, obviously, uh, potentially. Yeah. And you can't say enough about the net mining here right now. Um, the, you know, Grice uh, that was uh, had plenty of accolades last season. Uh, people talking about how great of a year he had splitting uh, the nets uh, with uh, um I'm blanking on whoever it was last year. Paul, I'm sure hopefully you can remind me, but he split the net mining duties last season and doing so uh, again this year. And it seems to work out best for him. His numbers are even better than they were last year. 0.933 save percentage. That's the highest of his career. Uh, and the goals against average at 2.15 is again, the lowest of his career. So uh, while I have vehemently been opposed to net mining splits uh, throughout our four five, whatever year we're in here, Paul, <laughs> uh, this is one situation that it, I believe is, uh, an exception, not the rule. Um, but it seems to be working out for everybody and credit to Barry Trotz for making it work. Honestly, I, I think that's why, uh, you're seeing it be a success here, uh, in, in new, uh, New York. And uh, the Rangers took it on the chin last night uh, to the tune of 6-2 to two against the visiting Ottawa Senators to drop the record of 5-6-1. and one. Ryan Strom, uh, for, the, for his part, is among the leaders in being the most added in terms of weekly and season-long fantasy. He's been on a tear, AJ, with 11 points in his last nine, nine outings before last night. And uh, Philip Keitel is uh, up with the club uh, with Zibanejad out with a lower body injury. This guy's called up 
and played in the top six role and scored goals in each of his last two games for last evening. So that's the good news. Alexander Georgiev is a guy that I've been watching in terms of goalie splits around the league that I thought could get a bigger share. And he was most recently with four straight starts, including the one versus the Sens last night. But he may have fumbled the ball back with that six spot that he allowed. So look for the King to get back in the nets going forward. And Georgiev's going to have to fight, wait for his next opportunity, I think, because they're going to give Lundqvist a bit of a run now, right now. I'm sure he's had a bit of a, some time off, and uh, they'd like to get him back in for a few games to see what, whether he can put a string together again. Capo Caco, five point, on 5.5 situations, this guy's seeing his minutes reduced because the, the point production has not been there. The minuses have been there. But this guy's retaining power play time, and, and that means he's still a good value play if you can get him at a, at a cheap price in DFS because he's still got that cannon of a shot and uh, it should be a dynamic power play with some of the pieces that the Rangers can put together out there. So keep, don't give up on this guy just yet uh, is my call. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you look at the last three games, uh, has three points, uh, including a goal and assist in, in that blowout last night. Two of those, as you said, it came on the power play. So getting plenty of opportunity and looks there, you know, uh, over in, in both those games ended up over 20 uh, points on, on FanDuel. So really uh, a great uh, kind of DFS option. And I think if you've been uh, holding him in reserve, maybe not putting him in your starting lineup for uh, season long leagues, this might be the time to consider doing it because I think this is what, you know, he's going to need to kind of get going here. Um, you know, the transition to the NHL game can be hard. You know, we've gotten spoiled in recent years with guys that have been able to come in and just start producing right away. And it's, it's what we've come to expect, but really I, I think it takes a little bit and I'm not surprised that the month of October was a little bit down in terms of production for him, but I think you're going to see things uh, trending upwards moving forward. Ottawa Senators, uh, they got a nice win last night in New York, as we alluded to. Connor Brown continues to roll along. Seven points now in his last six games, continuing a hot streak that began at the beginning of the season. Thomas Shabbat has overcome his recent neck injury and is uh, back to uh, re returning to his heavy playing time. So you should expect him to be a solid scoring D-man there, despite the profile of the Senators overall. After allowing eight goals over three straight starts, Anders Nilsson sat for two games before playing again last night and winning while allowing only two goals against last night. I think his share of the goalie starts will continue to rise uh, versus Craig Anderson's playing time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of why I think they made the move to, to bring him in uh, overall. You know, you've got Craig Anderson, who's 38 years old, uh, certainly on the, the back half, you know, the back nine of his career at this point. Uh, and so Anders Nilsson is, I think, the netminder of the future for them at, at 29 years of age. And so I think this might be the year where you'll see maybe a little bit more of an even split that would trend uh, Nilsson's way as, as long as the, the wins in the product, maybe not wins, but at least the numbers are there. Um, and in terms of, you know, we've talked about Ottawa being uh, one of those teams that you have to pick and choose your spots uh, to utilize them. And there are guys there's that are worth taking a look at. Uh, and one of those guys is Brady to Chuck five points in his last three games, uh, 13 shots over that stretch. Uh, and in those three contests, averaging over four minutes a night on the power play. Uh, if you're in 
longer formats. Uh, he plays a, a, a physical style as well. And so he'll rack up hits, uh, for your penalty minutes. If, if that's a positive category, um, are there as well. So really, uh, there's a lot to like in his game in, in a variety of, uh, fantasy formats. He did have a little bit of a slump, uh, to end the month of October went, uh, six games without a point, but I think, uh, overall I'd be happy having him on, on my team or in my lineup more nights than not. In Philadelphia, Ivan Provorov is a guy that you want in your lineup of late. Uh, he's certainly overtaken Shane Gostisbehere in terms of the top power play quarterback role and leads this D with nine points so far this season. Oscar Lindblom is a guy that we've talked about a couple of times this year, and he continues to be hot more than cold. Four points in his last three games, and he's uh, got a good grip on the second line left wing situation here. Joel Farabee has been a bit of a surprise name in this lineup. He's been called up to play left wing on the top line. It's kind of neat to see a guy get called up and get a scoring line opportunity when that's his pedigree. So many times we see the guys get slotted into third and fourth line, and you're thinking, what's the point? But uh, they're certainly giving this guy a look, and he's rewarded them with his first NHL goal last week. I think you can't be that disappointed despite, you know, their their somewhat uh, inconsistent play recently in terms of the win column. I don't think you can be disappointed with really anybody uh, in this top six right now. You've got, uh, you know, you've got Oscar Limbaum on a three game point streak. Uh, Farabee, as you said, Travis Konechny's numbers are solid, a little bit down just one point in the last three, uh, three games, but overall 14 points in 13 games. So really there's a lot to like in this top six, uh, from there, it gets a little thin, uh, for my liking, you know, especially when you have a guy like Kevin Hayes, who gets that big contract in the off season goalless in four consecutive games, his power play time is all but diminished. Uh, of late as well. So that's a, a big concern both for the fan watching him earn that that big paycheck and, and not paying out and for any fantasy owners that maybe uh, bought high on him heading into the season. And you've got to be thrilled, uh, AJ, when we were talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, that Evgeny Malkin is back as a second-line center. He's ready to take on his usual workload, and that means he's a must-play when you've got a chance to plug him in in a good matchup in DFS. Dominic Simone doing what he needs to do to stay on the right wing at the top line. Uh, nine points and a decent shot on go- shots on goal rate. He's also added some physicality to this lineup at the top end, so I really like him to stick and is a really good DFS value play playing on Sydney's flank. Uh, on the downside, Patrick Hornquist is out of the lineup. Could be a long stretch with a lower body injury. Another key guy who brings a bit of a feisty nature to the game and a, a good scorer on the power play, too. They'll miss him. Alex Galchenyuk, though, Galchenyuk is back in the lineup as left wing on the second line ahead of versatile Jared McCann. He needs to produce, though, to hold on to those minutes because McCann has been a pretty useful player here since he arrived. Sam Lafferty, a guy who had a good early start, six points in 10 games played, was reassigned to the AHL. Are you surprised by that? That demotion, AJ, uh, he does avoid uh, the contract kicking in, I guess. Well, I'm guessing Lafferty is going to be uh, on his way back to Pittsburgh today. Oh, okay. uh, after after Hornquist got injured, I, I think they're going to need somebody to bring in. Um, there are other options. Adam Johnson uh, could get a look, um, but I, I would not be shocked to see Lafferty be the guy that gets a call up with, with Hornquist out. I wasn't surprised by the move in part because they just – you know, he's the one, you know, one of the few guys they can move down to the minors without uh, having waivers or anything. And they needed the space to bring all the guys off IR. The biggest concern right now is what happened with Chris Letang last night. There's not a ton of info on the on the lower body injury there, um, but obviously that would be a huge loss for them. 
uh, in terms of, of overall, uh, you know, you don't replace that guy. There's just no way to do it. One person who's going to get more minutes, though, if Latang faces an extended absence, is John Marino. Got his first NHL goal last night and played 21 35. Uh, the first time he's played over, or just the second time he's played over 20 minutes in a game. And I would expect that to be the, the situation moving forward uh, if Latang is out uh, for an extended chunk of time. And that'll open the door potentially for Yuso Ricola uh, to slot into the lineup if Latang misses any time. But uh, I think Sam Lafferty would be the best person to call up with Hornquist on the IR. Uh, but obviously, uh, I don't make the decisions in Pittsburgh as much as I would like to. <laughs> Very good. Wouldn't that be fun if you could run a club and I could? That would give this show a whole different flavor. The St. Louis Blues are uh, rolling again. Three, a four-game win streak. David Perron leading the charge. Seven points in his last four games played. He's a must-start in DFS play the way he's going right now. And uh, meshing well with second-line center Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, on the flip side, Justin Falk's struggle continue on the back end. This guy's got a prolific point shot, but it's, he's been limited to only six shots on goal in his last five games, along with a minus three rating. If this guy's not shooting more, he's not worth the value that uh, certainly of his contract or not worth, worth a look at DFS play either. Uh, there, there are some goalie situations here that are in flux. There is no such issue here as Jordan Bennington has far outplayed Jake Allen, who uh, is carrying a bit of a high salary 4.5 million on the docket for him this year and next and uh, that's dragging this team down i wonder if they're going to try and move him could seattle be a destination for this guy <laughs> yeah i mean it's certainly a, a possibility i i think it w- you know with what happened uh with mark andre Fleury and kind of the the resurgence, uh, for lack of a better term in, in his career after being taken, uh, I don't think guys would be afraid, uh, to head to, uh, you know, another, uh, another expansion team at this point. Uh, I think the, the problem there is how long are you willing to wait and have him be a $4.35 million hit as your backup? You know, Bennington makes all of, uh, five, you know, looks like $50,000 more on the year uh, as your number one. So uh, I don't think they're they're necessarily going to want to wait that long. And I do agree, you know, for a team uh, that maybe could use some help in the nets, uh, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, the team we'll talk about next. Uh, maybe Jake Allen is somebody that they could snag. And I find it interesting that a team uh, that they've really rallied uh, together after Tarasenko was hurt. You know, he's missed uh, five games now. He's out long term and they go on this four game uh, winning streak with him on the shelf. So I think, uh, you know, that's a good indication of kind of uh, this team coming together. And uh, I think they'll certainly be in the mix at this point. It looks like uh, for the, you know, making that repeat run at a Stanley Cup. Well, you hinted San Jose Sharks 4-10-1 and is the overall record there on a five game loser. Uh, the goalie tandem of Jones and Dell has been awful year to date. It needs to improve for this otherwise talented team. They got a wealth of riches offensively and on the blue line. Uh, Timo Meyer uh, is another guy they got to be concerned about, though, because he's not risen to the opportunity of bigger minutes and power play time with only four points to date. So uh, it's not just the goalies that are struggling here. Patrick Marlowe, after starting the season as a top six guy when they finally inserted him into the uh, group, is playing a third line minutes now again. Barkley Godreau is going the other way and might be a guy to keep an eye on because he's playing with some pretty good talent in the top six there on the right side he's collected points in his last two games played so things are looking up for him at least but boy oh boy that goaltending situation 
Well, and the problem is they can't get away from Marty Jones at this point because Dell's been so terrible as well. Uh, you know, in in a lot of teams, if you had this run of bad form from your number one, you sit them for a few nights, you let them kind of get back together. You know, we talked about New York uh, with Georgiev getting a look uh, with Lundqvist. This happened in the cup run year with Philip Grubauer and Braden Holpe in Washington. Uh, but they just don't have any options here. And so that's why I think they could be a team that maybe would look uh, at bringing in a guy like Jake Allen to potentially at least, uh, you know, be a viable number two and be able to give Marty Jones some nights off. You know, uh, you look at those numbers, Martin Jones, 0.887 save percentage, 3.52 goals against average. You would naturally say your backup can't be any worse, but he is 0.878 for the save percentage and 3.83 for the goals against for Aaron Dell. So really the Sharks are, are stuck right now. And to be honest, I'm a little surprised. Uh, that Peter DeBoer uh, hasn't been the first, uh, you know, coach uh, let go this year. And that's not to say that I think any of these problems are necessarily uh, his fault, but you see GMs and owners want to shake things up, you know, when a team is underperforming this much. And so I'm, I'm a little surprised uh, that they haven't made a change on the bench either. Tampa Lightning, I said uh, off the top, my surprise team going south. Uh, nobody expected this start. 6-5-2 and two so far, 1-2 and two last week. The club's floundering, and it's led to whispers that John Cooper's head coaching job may be in jeopardy. That's what I'm hearing here in Toronto. The team goals against average is higher than the goals for AJ. That speaks volumes through the 13 games played. Steven Stamkos, the only player at even a point-per-game pace, uh, considering all the talent that they have here. That's a shocker for me. On the plus side, uh, the only plus side that I could find here, Andre Palat, who scored only eight goals last season, is tied with Stammer with five so far to lead this club. So that's the one bit of good news. Yanni Gord, uh, indicative of, of the troubles here, uh, was a top six guy for much of, the, of last season. He's playing fourth line minutes on the left side, only five points to show for his record. They brought in Patrick Maroon last season, uh, late uh, for this season, to add some physicality. He's done very little of that, and now he's even out of the lineup with an IR situation. Victor Hedman also missing time the last couple of games with a lower body injury, but hopes to face the Sabres in the Global Series that starts on November the 8th and 9th of this week. Gosh, that would be such a huge disappointment, not only, I'm sure, for Victor Hedman, but for the fans uh, to have him miss those games. So I, I really hope that he's able to play just because he is, uh, you know, such a big part of hockey in that country. And to miss those kind of hometown games for him would be a huge disappointment. You know, you talked about, um, you know, you talked about some of the issues with the the scoring and the net minding. Uh, the team has one win in their last four games and they had to put in seven goals because they gave up six in order to win uh, that game. And so that really speaks uh, to to their struggles right now. They don't have a ton of wins. Uh, kind of looking through real quick, I see two wins, uh, three wins overall on the year in which it's been by more than one goal. Uh, and so really their wins are coming in tight ones where they're having to just outperform the other team. Otherwise, uh, it's been a lot of losses lately. And that is, as you said, a, a big surprise for this team right now. Well, the Maple Leafs are up next. They went 1-0-1 last week. Unimpressive, despite collecting three of four points, in my estimation. They're going to get a big boost tonight with the return of Captain John Tavares. It feels funny almost to say that, Captain in Toronto. 
But uh, there he is returning tonight after a broken finger injury, hopefully sparking an uninspired offense and ordinary-looking ordinary power play that has too much talent to flounder much longer. On the back end, Travis Dermott was paired a lot with Morgan Riley since he's made it back to the NHL off, off his injury woes from last season and the offseason. His offensive totals should rise and be a nice uh, surprise in DFS play if he gets that role on a long-term basis. Right behind them, Jake Muzzin has recovered from his thigh injury and also missed Saturday's game due to a personal issue, but will return tonight against his former mates in L.A., so look for an inspired effort from him. And Tyson Berry, while he has only five assists to date, I think he's getting more accustomed to his new team, and we'll soon see him producing as he has in the past one of the elite scoring defensemen in this league. One of the most intriguing things uh, for me with the Maple Leafs right now is is Trevor Moore's uh, assignment on the on the second line. So uh, Tavares practice uh, ahead of their their most recent game that he he didn't play, but at that practice they had Moore on his left wing. Now when he didn't get to play against the Flyers. Uh, Moore was back in a third line role instead of the second line. Now that they're looking ahead to the next game, Moore's back in that second line spot. So I find this really interesting that they're pairing him up with John Tavares. Obviously, the coaching staff is seeing something there between the two. On the stat sheet, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, Moore has no goals in his last nine games and just one assist over that stretch. And so this is not a guy that I necessarily would think of uh, to put on a second line with John Tavares. But there's clearly something going on here that the coaching staff likes. And perhaps we'll get a look at what that is uh, in tonight's game. Maybe more worth uh, a contrarian look uh, in your DFS lineups as long as those uh, lines hold from the, the last two practices that John Tavares has been at. The Vancouver Canucks are getting great work from JT Miller. He's expected, exceeded even the positive expectations that I had for him at the start of the season. 15 points in 14 games played over here for the Canucks, who were on a bit of a roll with three wins and a, an overtime loss in their last four starts. Troubling news on the injury front, though. Michael Furland, a physical force here, is dealing with concussion system symptoms. He'll miss at least the next three games. And Quinn Hughes, their highly touted defenseman, is dealing with a lower body injury, likely to miss tonight's game. But Alex Edler is a guy that I look at here to pick up some power play time. This guy's been their power play quarterback in the past, and one guy I like, I like to plug in in terms of DFS value play. Adam Gaudet is also uh, a player of interest who might be below most, most radars. He scored points in his last two games and earned a promotion to Patterson's right wing position. And anybody on his right wing deserves a look in fantasy play the way the youngster is going these days. Yeah, Gaudet has has struggled um, previously to really cement himself uh, and live up to some of the expectations he had coming out of college. His, his last season at Northeastern University, 60 points uh, in 38 games, including 30 goals. Uh, the numbers have not really been there. Uh, in either league, honestly, uh, you know, he played split time uh, last season between Utica and Vancouver and, and didn't really produce uh, well at either level. And he is generally considered a, a center. Um, but I am intrigued by that promotion to the first line and what he's been able to do in the last couple of games. You know, maybe the center role just isn't for him. You know, there's plenty of guys that have come into the league expecting, you know, coming up as a center and then ultimately get moved to the wing. And maybe this is just a better fit for him. It does certainly open the door for a bigger role. Uh, if he was playing center at best, he's fourth line center here. You're not putting him above Horvat, Pedersen or Brandon Sutter. Uh, so it, it might be well suited to make that move for him. 
with the Vegas Golden Knights coming into Toronto this week, uh, I heard that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to have a very public signing opportunity at one of my favorite sports stores, AJ. I wonder if you want me to pick up something for you. But, yes. Uh, the guy's <laughs> coming. He's coming off a flu bug, but uh, on the downside, he was pretty ordinary in three starts prior to that. So you wonder if he's been nursing this flu for a while. It certainly just seems that he's not at the top of his game, but uh, that's a short-lived situation, I'm sure. He's one of the top goalies in hockey, and uh, this is a blip on the radar here. Nate Schmidt rejoined the club off IR and produced points in each of his last two outings. They need some scoring from the back end to support this club's offense up front. They're just not used to getting very little so far from the Blue Liners, and uh, Schmidt, his return will certainly help in that regard. Max Pacioretty is one of the offensive pieces who's not really lighting the lamp too much, despite the fact he's got a four shots on goal per game mark he's only got three goals to show for that that's got to improve because the law of large numbers think says that this guy is going to be a consistent 25 to 30 goal scorer with the shots on goal that are happening you know that some of them are eventually going to start going in uh alex took is missing due, due to injury they're missing his physical presence but in the meantime thomas nosek and will william carrier will be vying for time on the third line to fill some of those missing minutes from the big man yeah, you know, when I first saw that Fleury wasn't going to be at practice, I probably uh, had the same reaction that most of most of uh, Golden Knights fans had as well. Like, oh, no, here it comes, because really he has had some injury concerns in his career. They haven't flared up too much uh, in uh, in Vegas. They, they did a little bit uh, that first year, but overall, he's been relatively healthy um, with with that organization. And so. When it first came out, it, you know, you have to kind of hold your breath there. But, uh, you know, flu, you'll you'll take flu and illness uh, over anything else in, in terms of injury here. And I think the surprising thing to some uh, is that Fleury is tied with David Riddich for the lead in games played. And then he's also tied with Pekka Rene uh, in terms of the win column. I said at the start of the year that I thought uh, Fleury was going to play uh, over 60 games again this season. Our friend Daniel Negreanu disagreed with me on that point, um, you know, uh, on on social media. Uh, but I just think uh, that we're going to see plenty of the flower all year long. And I still think he hits that 60 game mark, could push for 40 wins this season, hasn't been able to reach that threshold since 2011 and 12 uh, when he was back with Pittsburgh. The Washington Capitals are on a four-game win streak. Like the Bruins, one of the elite teams year after year is on fire right now. Four-game win streak, as I said. Michael Kempney, the most added defenseman in week long, uh, weekly and season-long fantasies. Nine points in his last eight games played while playing with Bobby Orr. Oh, I meant to say John Carlson, actually. <laughs> uh, that guy is just playing otherworldly hockey right now, AJ, and uh, continues to light it up on the back end for the, the Caps. Jakob Vrana is a guy who's emerged as a breakout guy up front he's the third in scoring on this team and a dfs must uh, because it seems that the uh, dfs prices still haven't caught up to his performance so far he's playing on the left wing at the second line right now and just a great value play right at the moment Ilya samsonov is a nice bit of goalie insurance here in washington we've seen a lot of backups not really deliver the goods but he's won five of his six starts here behind holpe so keep an eye on the goalie situation and don't be shy about plugging in the russian uh, youngster when he gets a chance to play here well, I have a, a bit of a challenge here for any of our Capitals fans out there. Uh, I don't have the numbers in, in front of me. I would love to know when was the last time that the Capitals finished a season without Alexander Ovechkin as their leading scorer. 
it very well could be the year before they drafted him uh, before the lockout uh, was the last time that he didn't lead this team in scoring or in points rather. Uh, and that's a potential this season. You know, John Carlson still uh, four points ahead of him. Ovi of course is going to lead the team in goals um, with, with 11 right now, but Carlson's got seven. Uh, and I really, uh, I, I will try and dig that up and, and see if I can, but if any of our capitals listeners uh, know it offhand, feel free to tweet at us and, and share that with me. But I, have to suspect that he's been the leading uh, point total on this team pretty much every year uh, since he came into the league. Uh, I'm going to say Nicholas Baxter might have challenged him one or two of those years, AJ, off the top of my head, but certainly we'll take a look at that later. Winnipeg Jets 8-7-1 to round out our look at the 31 teams. We start with a Dustin Bufflin update. He recently underwent an ankle surgery and uh, possibly signals an intent to return later this season, but he'll be missing for a few months. That means that if you hold out hope, you've got to stash this guy in your lineup below the line and hope that he does make it back later in the season and uh, returns next year to return your value I guess long term maybe I'll take a flyer on on pulling this guy back in the lineup you like that taking a flyer on the Jets AJ <laughs> uh, so that might be a stash move Billy Hainola demoted to Manitoba of the AHL before reaching the 10 game mark, played mark and not burning a year of his entry level deal he showed me enough that he should be a stash candidate here for more positive reasons more hopeful than Dustin Bufflin I'll say that Nathan Bolia is in terms of defenseman is expected to make his season debut on the blue line here and boy anybody incoming with some some history and some pedigree uh, some value is welcome here and Boilio certainly checks all those boxes uh, and behind them I was concerned about uh, Connor Hellybuck be playing behind uh, such a depleted defense but uh, he's been excellent so far this year sporting a 257 goals against and a, a career best 927 save percentage the guy's been doing his end of the bargain yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the, the concern always with Hellybuck has been, uh, you know, he throws in these games every once in a while that are just uh, an absolute travesty. And so uh, it, it happens to, to the best of them. But, you know, you look at this season, he's got three games in which he's given up four or more goals. Uh, and so obviously those are not the nights you were hoping to have him in the lineup. Uh and, you know, but then you have other nights like his most recent performance against San Jose. He faced 53 shots, uh, stopped all but two of them, got the win. If you were playing him on FanDuel, you were rewarded with 46.4 points uh, despite the two the two goals that he gave up. So really uh, I, I, for for a guy that overall in season long, I'm I'd be very happy with. Uh, and just have to maybe watch out for the occasion uh, and DFS when maybe he gives up a bad game or two. Um, but overall, a, a great player to have and really uh, helping this team kind of weather uh, some concerns on that blue line. I have been a lot of my lineups, AJ, that are season long, just just say it. And other things uh, that make me smile, I love Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays on the NHL schedule. They tend to be the busiest in terms of games. We have 13 uh, tilts on the schedule tonight. I am thrilled to announce that we're going to start to do FanDuel segments with today's show. Uh, listen, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up at Rotowire, uh, with Rotowire's assistance rather. Tell them Rotowire sent you and get in the game and win some money here because it's just a lot of fun. It gets, keeps you engaged even if your team's not playing. And uh, AJ, mind you talk a little bit about the Rotowire op lineup optimizer and tell our listeners what they've got plugged in for tonight's action. 
Yeah, absolutely. So if you're looking for some help building your lineups, uh, check out the the lineup optimizer over on on RotoWire. We have it uh, for a variety of of contest uh, formats. Uh, but you can really, you know, if you want to play on FanDuel, if you want to play in the single game, we've got the optimizer for that. If you want to play full roster, but you want to play in the after hours express or late night slates for kind of smaller uh, collection of contests. We have optimizers for all of that. The other really nice thing, uh, you can generate a, a bunch of lineups. You know, right now, FanDuel's got the five cent contest. And so if you want to put in 10 lineups and it only costs you, you know, 50 cents there, you can generate 10 different lineups on uh, RotoWire, save those lineups, import them directly onto FanDuel uh, using the import process there too. So it saves you from having to copy those directly over. So really a great tool. Uh, in terms of who the optimizer likes tonight, uh, if you check out, uh, you know, just run the regular report without making any uh, changes. There are stacks features if you want to generate stacks. We do have exposure if you want. You know, if you're going to do multiple lineups and you want to say, I only want uh, Nathan McKinnon in, in half of the lineups, you can set that player exposure limit uh, and and kind of. Uh, avoid, you know, going all in. But if you just run the straight up optimizer tonight, you are going to get Nathan McKinnon at the top there, 8,800. And it's going to, the optimizer likes Colorado uh, tonight against Dallas. Actually, it likes both sides of that matchup. So Nazem Kadri is the other center, to, uh, but he's playing more of a wing. Uh, so that is one kind of unique thing that you have to watch for every once in a while. Nazem Kadri technically would take a center spot for you, even though he's playing uh, on the wing with Nathan McKinnon tonight. He's just 5,000 uh, for first line, first power play. That's pretty good. Uh, the optimizer then for the wingers is going to go Johnny Gaudreau at 7,100. Alexander Radulov at seven, uh, 6,700 and Joe Pavelski at 5,900. So going to the other side of that Dallas Colorado game. And in part, I think uh, a decently high over under for that contest is, is what's at, at play here. Timo Meyer rounds out the wing group at just 5,000 for second line, second power play. Again, uh, that's a, a pretty good value there. Defensively, uh, it, it's looking like Ryan Pollock uh, for the Islanders going up against Ottawa, 4,100, and Matt Dumba for Minnesota, 4,000. Again, these are guys that are slated to be on uh, power play units, and so that's, you know, you get them for relatively cheap in the, the low 4,000s. And then in the Nets, uh, the optimizer obviously likes the matchup against Ottawa, so it's going Simeon Varlamov, 8,300. You've got a hot uh, goaltender going up against one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, and so really, uh, for a pretty decent value and as well in 8,300, that's not going to break the bank in terms of your goaltending tonight. It is on the high end, but you're saving money compared to like Tuka Rask is 9,100. Marc-Andre Fleury is 89. Uh, if he does in fact play tonight. So, uh, yeah, that's what the optimizer looks like tonight. Paul, uh, what did you do with your lineup? Well, I wanted to just add one note about that Ottawa Islander matchup. Uh, one of the reasons I love the goalie pick there is the Sens are on the second of back-to-backs, and I always look for that in DFS val- uh, play for value. But in terms of my lineup, it's uh, centered around a Calgary stack offensively. I put their whole number one line out there, and uh, it's interesting you note know, sometimes the position 
that they assign here are not always accurate. Elias Lindholm is a winger on that top line, but he plays uh, center for FanDuel purposes, coming in at $6,500. He's playing alongside Sean Monaghan at 7100 Those are both my centers, and they face an Arizona team that played last night as well, to my point of playing back-to-backs. I also look then at teams that are playing against bad clubs at home, and that's where Jakob Silverberg finds value for me. $6,100 as he and his mates host the visiting Minnesota Wild. Rickard Raquel, another winger of note on the Anaheim team. I double down on that situation uh, looking for value there. He's $5,500. I go to the Toronto game against LA. This is a game the Leafs should win and win rather easily, so I put Andreas Johansson in there for $5,200. Johnny Gaudreau rounds out that Calgary stack for me in the other wing position. And then in terms of the defense, I go with the tandem of Jake Muzzin and Tyson Barry. I made the case for both of these guys in my preamble with the leaf notes earlier uh, $4,700 for Muzzin $4,500 for Barry uh, Muzzin brings his physicality ability to block shots they get points in DFS play and Barry it's only a matter of time before he explodes offensively and behind all that I look for Freddie Anderson to log the victory for the Maple Leafs I hope the home club wins this one easily I don't want a nail biter against the LA Kings AJ <laughs> what do you see Well, so what I saw and knew was going to happen when I saw that uh, L.A. was playing Toronto on tonight's slate, I knew there were going to be a full complement of four Maple Leafs in your roster. So (laughs) uh, I intentionally, to give our listeners some other options, I I avoided any Maple Leafs uh, in my lineup tonight. And uh, I kind of tip my hand to this off the top. I'm going to use the full complement, Patrice Bergeron, 8,000. David Pasternak, 9,200, and Brad Marchand, 8,700. Boston's going up against Montreal. Yes, they're on the second game of a back-to-back, but I just feel confident enough in that matchup and that team the way they're playing right now. Uh, My other center, because I spent so much money on those guys, I had to go uh, pretty discounted through the rest of my lineup. So Kirby Doc. Uh, for Chicago, 3,200. I think this is a good opportunity for him to get some goals with how bad San Jose has been lately. Uh, I'll go Zach Sanford for St. Louis, 3,300. He's playing a second line role uh, that's centered by Ryan O'Reilly. So it's hard to really complain about that. I mentioned Adam Gaudet. Uh, getting first line uh, potential look tonight, 3,100 for him. Uh, again, I think that's going to be a steal, especially if he gets power play time. Uh, because I went so low with the rest of those uh, forwards, I was able to creep up a little bit. Uh, you talked about Ivan Provorov for Philadelphia and how well he's been playing lately. He's just 5,100, so good, uh, decent value there. And then Zach Wierinski for uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, 5,300. Uh, kind of, as we said, those are the two guys. Him and Jones are the two guys you're going to look at. And then I rounded out my Boston stack. I am going to use Tuka Rask tonight for 9,100. Um, but... I do think I may have talked myself into considering Simeon Barlamov. So maybe I'll put together an alternative lineup here uh, and see what I can do with that extra $800 in savings by going from Rask uh, to Simeon Barlamov. If if I put something together, I'll tweet that out there as well and let our listeners know what, uh, what I was looking at there. Well, AJ, I'm thrilled that we have a DFS segment back in the show, and I know you love to play this on a daily basis. You highlighted it. You can play as for as cheap as $0.05, cents and you can spend $0.50 cents and make 10 different lineups. That's a heck of a lot of fun uh, on tap for us, as, as well as flipping through the channels and uh, watching 13 games on the slate tonight. I just love this time of year. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the intriguing thing is not that I need to be convinced to watch, you know, more hockey, but uh, it adds an element of, of intrigue when you're watching a game like San Jose and Chicago that maybe you're not very invested in and the teams, you know, collectively haven't been very good this season, but you've got a guy in your lineup. And so it makes it that much more intriguing. Uh, the other thing I'll throw out there, you know, if you take advantage of that Rotowire promotion, sign up for FanDuel, uh, you can play in a free NHL contest tonight the main slate uh they have one running tonight it's free to enter uh you get one lineup you can throw in there against you know everybody else and and see so you don't even have to spend any money if you don't want to tonight uh and you know get a chance to win uh an entry to a bigger contest if you do really well in that free play tonight well, sign me up for that, partner. Uh, <laughs> that wraps up this episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. Our next episode will be a week from today and next Tuesday. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We'll tweet out our lineups before the end of the day or soon after this segment is aired. And as always, we'd like to invite you to listen in the podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. (laughs) 